0: Welcome to the SaaS Revolution show brought to you by SaaS Doc. I'm Alex Thuma, and I'll be chatting to this week's guest about the challenges and rewards of growing a SaaS company. Before that, I just want to let you know about SaaS Doc Remote, which is our online conference happening on June the 10th and 11th. It's all geared around the three pillars of helping you, our SaaS founders, execs, companies, uh, VCs, adapt, survive, and thrive during these times. Uh, It's a two-day event, we'll have uh, more than 3,000 attendees from across the world joining us, uh, uh, certainly at a time when you can't connect in person, this is a great opportunity to connect with your peers online. We'll have more than 150 speakers, including the likes of David Heinemar Hansen from Basecamp, Bill McIntyre's former CMO at Slack at Zendesk and Salesforce. David Scott, Thomas Tungus and more. So everyone who is anyone in SAS will either be there or be speaking. It'll include a virtual expo floor, networking and engagement. Actionable keynotes and panels, interactive workshops, and roundtables, matchmaking sessions, and lead generation opportunities for your company. So if you're a founder, exec, investor, or a startup in SaaS, we hope to see you there at SaaS.remote. Use the code Revolution to get a discount of 20% off your tickets. They're already pretty cheap, starting at $129, so guaranteed to get much more than 10x uh, ROI. We hope to see you there. Go to sas.com forward slash remote. Now on with the show. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution show. Uh, Amir saleh uh, CEO and founder of Todoist. Welcome, Amir. Thank you, Alex. It's a pleasure to be here. Great to have you on the show. Been wanting to have you as a guest uh, uh, on the podcast for a while and also uh, as a speaker at, at one of our they that actually delighted to do both They're within the space of, uh, of, of two weeks and also this is the first time not only that we're speaking but also the first time that i've ever had a guest uh, on the show that's uh, called in from uh, santiago in, uh, in in chile perhaps um, as we ask you know uh, a little bit about you know who you are as a person we can get some insights as to uh, what you're doing uh, in, uh, in in Chile, but uh, yeah. So let, let, let's roll into it and, and ask you know who is uh, Amir uh, Salih Evendic?
1: Sure, yeah. So I was born in ti- like a tiny town in in Jaite, Bosnia. Uh, so it's kind of like a very beautiful town. There's like a huge waterfall in the middle of it. Uh, it kind of also very old town. There's like a um, like a castle at the top of the town and like a Game of Thrones like a construction around it. Uh, yeah. So that's where I'm born. Like my family has lived there most of the, like, I don't know, many, many years, like probably over 500 years. Uh, And then like due to the Bosnian war uh, in the 90s, we had to flee, you know, we lost everything and we had to restart our life. And we restarted in Denmark uh, and I basically grew up like in Denmark. And then like maybe for the last over 10 years, I have basically lived around the world in different places. Not only visited, but actually lived there. And I live like in Taiwan, uh, in, um, in Chile, in Portugal, in Spain, and that's basically like uh, I met my wife in, in Chile, the, the, the living and traveling in the outside and basically, yeah, so I split my time right now between like Barcelona in Spain and, and, and Santiago, Chile.
0: Very nice. I, I, I've done a bit in South America, but I've never been to uh, uh, Chile. Uh, uh, I get the pronunciation right. But we we have um, some South American colleagues, and they always laugh at my my pronunciation. And so, as we mentioned, you you're, you're the founder uh, of Todoist. So, first of all, what does Todoist do? Um, and tell us a little bit about why you founded uh, the, the the company, and and some stats around the company as well. So actually, like today is like what
1: we are best known for. It's like a, a, the product uh, that we do, but the company itself it's called Doist. Uh, and we are basically a remote-first company. We have been at this for like over 10 years. Uh, we have 80 uh, people spread around uh, like many different countries, I think over 30 countries, and we are kind of like an asynchronous remote-first company. Yeah, and uh, we also have another app called uh, Twist, which is basically team communication, like mindful and asynchronous. And, and honestly, like uh, you know, we do have like Twist, and we want like that to be like the default the asynchronous tool. But uh, the reason why we are like so uh, passionate about the asynchronous is more like that we think it's the best way to actually work uh, together and live also. Yeah. And also just like some some other stats, like you know, people for today's which is a task manager, like people have completed like hundreds of millions of projects, billions of tasks. Uh, our revenues are all like 10 million uh, per year. Yeah, American dollars. So so just like with some random stats, yeah. so people have like a, a picture of where we are at, you
0: know. Yeah, very cool, very cool. And you bootstrapped?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's another thing, is like fully bootstrapped, no investors, uh no exit strategy you know like what i like to say is like that is my you know exit strategy (laughs) so like there's no uh no selling out and like we we want to do this for a long time we also like really want to build like a very significant company in this
0: space i think like the opportunity here is like much much bigger than most people realize yeah do you think when you say significant are you thinking about it in terms of Revenue? Are you thinking about running a hundred million ARR sort of business, or or how are you thinking about significance?
1: I mean, the problem is like really money. You know, is kind of the indicator of the value that you create. But what we really like are passionate about is kind of having like global impact, like changing you know how people communicate, how people organize themselves. That is our passion. But you know, like of course, like you need to kind of measure that somehow. And I think that like money is that. But honestly, like, you know, hundred million, I think, is like a very uh, pessimistic goal. Like if you think about that, you basically have like a market of like a billion plus people that, uh, that could benefit from this. And also like as the world like moves towards like digital uh, work and knowledge work, you know, I, I think it just becomes much, much bigger as we grow. Yeah. So, yeah, we will see. They said like $100 million in, in in revenues like would be a nice milestone, but I think the potential is much higher than that, yeah.
0: Okay, very, very cool. And um, so you yeah. must be one of the first remote companies. Uh, funnily enough, I had last week, I was speaking to Joel from Buffer, uh, who again was 10 years he's been running Buffer, and he said back then uh there was like he could count on two hands the amount of remote companies right so you you, you, you were probably uh, on one of his hands that, that that he was counting why did you decide to go remote like so early um and I, I, what are your thoughts now i guess on remote in the second part of the question because i just saw a talk from you i was watching a talk from you at running remote and you said in five to ten years time like remote will probably be the norm what are your thoughts kind of like now so so why did you go remote so early and what are your thoughts on remote now? Yeah, I mean,
1: um, honestly, like I grew up on the internet and the internet for for me, like this is kind of a natural thing, like working, you know, across borders uh, on your computer, communicating. Uh, uh, I don't I, like when I started to do this, I actually like started to do this in 2007, where I co-founded a social network. Which was basically based like our, the the three co founders, like I'm kind of like Bosnian, Danish. We also had like Indian, Canadian, and then Malaysian, Chinese. And we basically worked together and built like this, uh, like really freakish uh, social network called Plerk, which is actually still alive today. Uh, And it's like a very weird place, uh, maybe due to like this cultural clash of like different people coming together and building this. um, so for me you know uh, that was just like very natural uh, I also like uh, spent a lot of time gaming as a as a like teenager uh, so also like you know like having clans and like <laughs> uh, having people like just remotely working together and like fighting uh, 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 you know that that is kind of like the the, the history and uh, when I actually started this I lived in, in Santiago Chile um, and I couldn't really find the talent I needed. So I just went and done the natural thing, which is basically hire uh, from anywhere I can find like a great uh, people. Um, and at that time, like there was like nothing, I think out like, uh, you know, like remote work as a revolution and like books and like <laughs> big companies adopting this. Uh, so yeah, um, yeah. So that's basically history. And, and um, regarding like the the future, like, I had like an article written like why the, the future of work is remote. Um, and honestly, like we are just seeing like the natural acceleration of the future right now due to the pandemic. Um, and, you know, it's maybe like going a few years into the future. Uh, uh, and I think like this will be like much, much bigger than most people realize. So from my perspective, this is basically like as big as like industrialization period because it's kind of like the first time in human history where you're going to have like a great job, regardless of where you live. And the implications of that are like very, very significant. uh, If you think about like, just like play out the effects, like second order and third order effects of this. Uh, So, you know, and like there's all kind of like positive things. There are some negative things uh, about this, Uh, but of course, like, you know, we are mostly uh, thinking that this would be a very, very positive thing for the world. Also just like for these rural, places of of the world that are kind of left behind and where you don't really have opportunity to get a great job. And also just like for family life as well, like, you know, uh, you can maybe now move to like a low cost, low cost where you have like a big house, you have nature, you maybe also have a community or your family. So yeah, I think we will have like a lot of positive effects of this. So we are quite excited. Yeah.
0: Good, good. And it's good to talk about the positive side of things of, you know, what's happening, uh, you know, despite obviously the uh, the obvious sort of negative sides of, uh, you know, the the, the pandemic uh, that's been. And, and we, we uh, like many companies, you, you know, uh, have been forced to work uh, remotely, you know, certainly for the short term. And, and many are now, you know, announcing that they will be you know, remote forever, like Twitter uh, and so so on. We we've announced today we'll be remote for the foreseeable, potentially forever. Um, but but we will see. But but so for us as as a company and um, many businesses have had to adapt their business and the way they operate um, in some ways because of the the pandemic. How has it affected Doist? Uh, have you had to change anything within the business? Um, you, you know, uh, just interested to learn a little bit uh, uh, about this.
1: Yeah, I mean, something to know is like we are experts at remote work. You know, we all our processes are already optimized for this. Uh, We are asynchronous by default uh, and stuff like that. But like working, you know, during a pandemic, it's kind of very different from like working normally Uh, and like psychologically it's very different. Uh, You know, like, for instance, for me, I'm I'm stuck, you know, at home for like almost two months with a baby and a toddler. Um, where we like need to do like all the stuff that we usually like sometimes have help for, like for instance cleaning or like daycare. So and then you also have like just like right now, uh the growth of the virus kind of exponential in Chile. So there's a lot of like uh problems with that. Just like you know you're you don't really know what it will happen. We also have the riots. Yeah. So you know like it's uh, it's remote work. Uh, in like the extreme version and I think like if people can actually make this work in this environment like remote is much 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 better when you actually are not in the pandemic because you basically have like freedom and you can go to a coffee shop Uh, you can you know spend more time with your kids like people have a lot of freedom and flexibility and right now I don't really think we are taking advantage of that Uh, so you know like in the company I think um Like productivity-wise, I don't think it has affected us, but like mentally, you know, uh, I think there's a huge drain on people. Uh, You know, we need to
0: recognize that. Are you doing anything in particular around that? So thinking about, uh, and and actually, so I'm I'm a member of um, uh, uh, this entrepreneur's organization. One of my sort of groups sent this sort of uh, message today, just kind of thinking about um, uh, just the mental sort of health and well-being uh, that, you know, generally, you know, he's a person that, you know, everything is fine, doesn't really think about mental health and well-being. And, you know, you just get on with it is his sort of mentality. But having been, you know, confined, you know, in, in a kind of small space, you know, without that ability to meet other people and so on, it, you know, it takes its toll as an employer, you know, to 80, 80 people. What have you done, you know, if, if anything to kind of, you know, recognize uh, this or is, is this something that, that you're just sort of thinking about at the moment?
1: Yeah. I mean, honestly, like I think something that uh, like the leaders and companies need to do is kind of like uh, lower the expectations uh, uh, and don't like pressure people in this kind of environment. Uh, so we have for instance, like, you know, extended, like we usually work in like one month cycles. We have extended by a bit and we also accept that, you know, like maybe we're not going to hit all of our deadlines and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, so I think that's something you can do. And honestly, I think also like, uh, we're probably going to get into this, but uh, like the current work environment that most people are greeted with in this remote is kind of like chat rooms and Zoom calls all day long. And I think this is also like a really a huge fatigue for people, especially like if you have kids. Like yeah. for me, actually, like I have tried to just like do as few, you know, uh, meetings as, as possible because I just don't have time, you know, to block like five hours per day, in like in calls. Um, so I think also like the the culture that most companies promote and, and do it is really like not very healthy in this kind of environment. Yeah. So that would be like my two tips is kind of like lower the expectations, accept like more, you know, <laughs> missed deadlines and stuff like that. And then also combine it with like less meetings and less like synchronous, uh, uh, like work yeah and also like so some other stuff like uh we have actually increased the amounts of like hangouts we do so just like casual hangouts we do so people can just like chat uh, and like meet other people and talk with other people uh so that's also something you could do like for for, for, for you folks
0: yeah you know so I'm, I'm i'm super keen as i'm sure the audience are to learn you know uh more about uh asynchronous uh you know communication and culture and uh, also, uh, as you say, and I, and I think I've heard you speak about it before, um, just about the fact that often, uh, and I, th- I remember uh, maybe it was a running remote. You showed, uh, you shared your calendar, right, and say this is this is what my calendar kind of looks like, right, and if if you compared it to my calendar, which was like nothing but meetings, right. I was like, wow! <laughs> I was very curious to to see how how you can operate, you know, a business and you know, business that's doing 10 million in a year, eight people across the globe, without you know all, all of these meetings. And I know we run different businesses, and everybody does. Um, but I, I'm super curious to to kind of learn about that because you mentioned meeting fatigue is real, Zoom fatigue is real, right? And combining the both, uh, you, you you get e- even more tired. So let, let's talk about asynchronous, I guess, kind of first because I never heard this term. Uh, or didn't really, you know, fully wasn't aware of it before a couple of months ago, and um, before the kind of shift to remote. So, what is a, synchrom- a synchronous communication, uh, and then how do you guys implement it? How how does it look like at uh, at Doist? Yeah, I mean, I think like the the
1: best way to understand it, and this is actually uh, a term uh, I think that uh, Matt from Automatic uh, uses. Uh, and Automatic kind of thousand or thousand people all working like in asynchronous, like remote first environment and something to think about. It's kind of like a spectrum uh, and you have like different levels. So you start like level one is basically office work, like everybody's just in the same place. Uh, level two is kind of like maybe you work some of the days outside. I'm actually, I'm not sure how he defines it, uh, like level two and three, but it's basically like a partial thing where you basically have Like it's mostly office work, but just like in a remote setting. And then I think like it becomes really interesting when, when you move into like this, I I think he coins it like level four, which is basically asynchronous by default, which we kind of like naturally, like we, I've never heard about this, uh, before, like we have just basically naturally adopted this because it's kind of the natural consequence. Uh, an evolution of how you actually go into this because when we started out, we actually also started out using Slack and a lot of meetings. And then suddenly you find out like you actually want to hire people from different time zones, but you actually don't really want to work like all times of the day and have meetings, you know, at like 1 a.m. and 2 a.m. or like you know at 5 a.m. in the morning. Um and then you you also figure out like you know being stuck in chat rooms as well. And uh, for instance, like if there's a conversation going on and you're not part of it, when you maybe wake up, you know, like decision will be made, or like maybe there will be two other conversations started in the same chat room. Uh, and then like, basically, you know, you need to be connected all the time. And this like really, especially as a leader, I think this is very, very problematic. Uh, and then you've kind of tried to think about what is actually like the solution here. Uh, you know, is it like to hire people just from one time zone But then you kind of like limit yourself uh, you know and some like some remote teams do this where they basically hire from a few time zones and then they have synchronized time um but for us you know like we have already like hired great people from all around the world and even like if you just hire you know really great people from europe and like eastern coast of us you will have a problem with, with time zones um yeah and then like like asynchronous kind of the natural thing is like you need to move more communication where you don't need to have a response right away uh, and you also like need to like make the communication much deeper and more thoughtful um, so for instance like when i deliver a message to somebody or like a, a comment uh, it needs to include like all the information like it can be like one line and like hello are you there and then like i, I blab about the problem i kind of like need to compose you know, the, the the message, and then when I do that, I, I don't need to expect that answer right away. And when the per- person responds, like they actually need to also respond back with like, you know, a lot of like knowledge or like a payload needs to be high uh, in their response. Um, so I, I think it's basically that is like, you need to shift more of the communication to be like asynchronous. So like, uh, it's not real time. You don't need answers uh, in real time. And you can basically wait. And for us, like we have a rule that need, people need to respond in a matter of twenty-four hours. Um, yeah, and of course, like um, also something you learn, like when we actually started this journey, like we we started in saying, okay, like meetings are very bad, S- all the synchronous communication is very bad, and then we just went hundred <laughs> percent into asynchronous, and you f- quickly find out, like you know, that is not really a good solution either. Uh, so what we basically find out is that like you need to find a sweet spot basically like asynchronous default like maybe 60 70% then you need to layer in like meetings uh, you also need to have like channels where you can actually contact people especially like in development like you know if somebody has like pushed something and broken everything you know like you need to have a a phone number you can call to um and what you find out is like we do have like these synchronous channels, but we use them like only when it's like strictly needed, and then everything else is is asynchronous. Um, yeah. Um, so that's that's a, that. that uh, I hope I gave like a good yeah. of this. Do,
0: yeah. Do you um, just thinking about so uh, again? I'll, I'll draw from our uh, experience and. Um, using slack as you say the, the like great tool but it, it can create you know a lot of like bad habits and even productivity issues even though it's a productivity productivity tool uh, I, I guess uh, and what we found in our team even though like when we were you know in the office uh, people would communicate via slack even though if your colleague is you know behind you um, and then often there was this kind of pressure that if somebody slacks you you have to respond immediately um, and then if you don't, you, you know, uh, people are kind of getting a bit tense about why haven't they responded and uh, and so on. Um, so as we've now sort of moved remote, some of this bad behavior, you know, has come across. Uh, but some of the, the, the people that are kind of used to, uh, you, you know, immediate responses or, or just kind of this overwhelmed by Slack have now adopted this, you know, asynchronous uh, communication, I think. And then are feel, feeling the benefits. So for us as an organization, it, maybe it's a leadership thing, or I'm not sure. But we haven't said to everybody in the company, "You should be asynchronous, and this is the way that you work." But some people are adopting it by themselves, kind of slowly. Um, and I wonder if if, what, if you've seen that, and if if there is a right or wrong way um, around that. It, you know, should we let it grow organically, or you know, should I be saying to people, "Hey, you know, have you heard of asynchronous communications?" Maybe this is a better way of, of working. Uh, have you any opinions uh, around that? any advice even?
1: Yeah, I mean uh, honestly, I think like the tools that you use inside an organization shapes the culture that you have uh, and I think there's like a, also a, well, there's a probably a law uh, I'm, I'm sure unsure which law it is, but the like uh, you know the tools that the organization builds is kind of reflected of like the culture and organization they have. So I think that's something to think about. Is you know, of course, like I think you can make a, like Slack work in an asynchronous, like more asynchronous manner. But really, the you know, the 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 whole experience is optimized towards like real time chat, uh, and a lot like the patterns that I use there are kind of optimized for that pattern. Um, uh, yeah. So so um, you know, I think you kind of make it work, but it's not really like the I think the pure and the best experience that you have. Uh, And I think also something to note is uh, once you move to kind of like more asynchronous uh, culture, uh, like documentation and written uh, language becomes much more critical. Uh, For instance, like a lot of like also us, like, you know, our handbook, like we actually started our handbook very late, uh, I think like some months ago. But don't right now, like it has I think two thousand commits from like many different people. <laughs> so basically people are just like jumping in and embracing this. And if you also like look at some other cultures like GitLab, you know, they have like their handbook online that has like four thousand pages, like documents everything. And it's basically uh like um like um documentation first culture. Um and um, I think like this is also really, really critical, like having the knowledge base and also like decisions, like being documented, the processes being documented, uh, like this is also really a big part of actually moving into like a more asynchronous space. Uh, yeah. And uh, I think also like for another thing, I think there's also a side effect and maybe also just like a like, um, natural progression towards this is kind of transparency. Um, so most of these like organizations that I have adopted like this uh, are very, very transparent and like even like in, in, in this, like the only thing that is not uh, public are kind of salaries, everything else, including like, leadership discussion, product discussions, uh, everything is just like public, everybody can see them, everybody can see how decisions are made. Um, and I think this is also really, really important. Uh, and also just like a side effect, because you know, you you can't really see people face to face in the office environment. So you actually need to like um, share knowledge in a different way. And I think like documentation and like written form is the way to go. Yeah.
0: Just, just on on this transparency, then so everybody can see everything like uh, decisions that uh, uh, the top management are making and right through the company. Where what tools are you using? Where where are, where is all this communication? and all this transparency sitting. Would will be keen to learn about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, like, uh, so for us, like we use Twist, of course, like our own tool as like the, the, the baseline where we basically have like uh, channels and like chats and like most of these channels, like I think maybe 99% are, are public by default. Um, and, and everybody can join them or preview them and see the discussions inside them. So that's one, one tool that we use. Uh, and then we also have like, uh, like I mean, I, I don't actually think tools are that important. It's more like, you know, having a knowledge base. Uh, so maybe like you could use Notion or you could use like Dropbox paper, like yep. you use Google Drive or even Word uh, um, to kind of like really have like a, a, a knowledge base that you kind of build collaborative with, with other people um i think that's the the the, the powerful thing uh, yeah
0: and and so talk to us a little bit about your empty diary uh, and maybe i'm, I'm exaggerating it uh, a, a little bit but um you, you know the what what i saw i know you're a fan of deep work or i, I believe you're a fan of deep work um and uh, yeah you don't do that many meetings right um so talk to us about that why you would not do so many meetings how that helps uh, again, if looking at, and I, I don't know about our listeners, but for me, I've, I've only just moved to a model whereby in the mornings, I try not to take meetings, and that's my deep work time. Uh, but it's kind of interrupted a little bit by we've got our daily huddles, and then there's a bit of, you, you know, uh, conversation that kind of, you know, continues from that. So I might get an hour and a half of un- uninterrupted work if I'm lucky. Um, and then in the afternoon, it's just nothing but meetings right through to the end of the day. Uh, and then I'm exhausted. Um, but <laughs> um, which I'm hoping will change at some point. So I'm really keen to learn about how you do it and how that works and when you implement it uh, sort of this sort of method.
1: yeah, I mean, honestly, I think this is kind of again like a natural um, evolution. So once you actually become asynchronous by default and you move a lot of like uh, co- communication, documentation, decision making into like a more written form. Uh, you know, then you don't actually need to make a lot of meetings. Um, and you also find them that like a lot of meetings are not really super productive. Um, so, for instance, for us, like we don't actually do like meetings, um, like daily stand-ups uh, because like first, you know, it's really expensive. It's also really inconvenient. Like if you have people spread around the world in time zones to just like have them synchronize like a time where you know, they can be present. And a lot of times it's just easier to maybe just write a message and, and tell people like, what are you going to work on? Um, and you can also like automate that as well. Uh, so we have like uh, automations that can basically ask like team members, what are you going to work on? Um, yeah, so, you know, I, I don't think actually it's like, a it's just like a natural progression that you will actually reduce like, the amounts of meetings if you actually go asynchronous first. Uh, of course, I think like some meetings are very important. Like I still do some meetings, like a leadership meeting uh, or like one-on-ones where you need to have like a building report with people, or you have like a very urgent issue, or you want to provide like some some good feedback to people. Um, yeah. Um, but, you know, I think like there's too much like, uh, reliance on like, uh, meetings in, in today's culture. And, uh, you know, I think like if people are just like more mindful, it will be kind of, and move like more towards like asynchronous, uh, asynchronous communication. Like, I, I think you will eliminate meetings by, by or, like a side effect. How many meetings do you on average do you have a day or a week? I mean, um, internally it's only a few, um. So uh, I have like a product meeting, uh, like a CXO meeting with my leadership team. And then I have some like maybe a few one-on-ones. So that's about it. And then I do have like some external meetings with like external leaders or podcasts or whatever interviews uh, that I do. Yeah, so maybe like 10 in total or something like that, yeah.
0: Okay, Uh, very cool. Um, And uh, a couple more questions. So, as you mentioned pretty much the whole world is working remotely right now and most of them for the first time do you have any kind of like top tips for those that are just you know uh, adopting remote work obviously we've covered uh, you know asynchronous communication but anything else like around that that uh, people should be thinking about as we're either in this temporary remote um you, you know position or even again many of us thinking about it for for the much longer term what, what are your kind of tips as being a 10-year uh sort of vet
1: yeah i mean honestly like something that we have done like for us it's kind of more like a religion than actually like a, a business concept um so we have actually blogged and written about this for the last like 10 years so we have like this blog where we have like our best um, ideas posted Um, and then we have also actually written something called Twist remote guides um, with other companies uh, where we basically taken everything we have learned, you know, doing this for 10 years and basically documented everything. And it's like really, really, uh, like uh, really, um, like really deep uh, and goes like onto many different topics, for instance, like hiring, like if you actually want to hire people remote, if you want to onboard them, how to communicate, how to do project management, how to do design, um, uh, how to do engineering, like, you know, uh, and I think we've probably also written about marketing and finance. I don't know, like, I mean, everything you can actually think about, like we're probably uh, blogged about it. And I know like some other companies have as well. So Kiplab for instance, you know, it's like a thousand plus uh, people company um, they have like a handbook where they basically document everything. I mean, some of it is kind of like, uh, I, you know, it's kind of very different cultures from ours. So they do a lot more meetings and actually like, but they have also much more transparency as well. So basically for them, like you can actually go in and see um, how they are structured, how they communicate internally. Um, And and you can even like see the schedule of the CEO and like the, I mean, it's kind of insanity. Uh, So, uh, and then you also have like Buffer uh, and Basecamp as well, who has also done like an amazing job, just like documenting and inspiring people. So honestly, I think there's like a lot of great resources um, on how to get started with this and how to adopt this. And and honestly, for us, like, um, you know, a lot of people are forced into this, but we think it's kind of like the future of work It's where everybody's going. And if you become good at this, there's like a lot of stuff that is unlocked, like freedom um, and hiring like amazing people from anywhere. Um, So, and there's like all kinds of side effects based on this. So like, we're very,
0: very, very excited about this. So yeah, we'll see where this will go. Good stuff. Uh, um, You're, uh, as we mentioned at the beginning, you're you're speaking at the upcoming uh, SaaS.com remote conference on, uh, on, on June the 10th and 11th. Um, do you know, uh, as of yet it's a couple of weeks away, uh, what you'll be speaking about?
1: Uh, honestly like I, I would really like to speak about like remote work, asynchronous communication, you know culture, uh, and like why this is actually like the future of of work uh, yeah, so that's kind of like the, the stuff that I'm very passionate about, and I think really like we
0: can improve the world by by going this way, so you know that 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 is my hope yeah. Cool. Good stuff. Well, l- looking forward to that. And we always ask our guests how they stay healthy and sane uh, as, uh, you know, leaders with you know within their businesses. Um, uh, again, especially uh, important during these times, you know, uh, what, I- what is your way?
1: Yeah, honestly, like I think it's really, really tough in this
0: environment. I, I do
1: try to kind of like stick in some exercise and some meditation. But, you know, my usual routines are much more healthy. You know, I usually like play football uh, with friends and i usually go to the gym and do some swimming so yeah uh, it's kind of like uh yeah but i think it's very important especially like like we have been in this for like a long time now and you need to stay healthy you need to eat healthy um, yeah and also just like spending time with your kids and, and, and your wife That uh, that is also great yeah um, yeah so but honestly like I, I would lie like if i said like yeah i have found like the perfect routine like it's really easy like I think this is really tough, and I hope this ends
0: soon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, definitely. Um, no, I, I, I agree with you. But uh, and uh, look, for me, the the exercise, I've actually found, or, uh, I, I don't know if, it, if it's just the, the current sort of mindset, but before I was going to the gym uh, on a regular basis, and that was where I was doing my exercise. Now I'm working out from home, and I'm using apps and you know, for, for yoga and for high-intensity, stuff like that. And I think I actually uh, might not go back to the gym uh, like after this So sort of remote, remote workouts, not remote working, but remote workouts. So um, that might be the future uh, as well for me, but yeah, very interesting. But look, Amir, um, I I know I've kept you a little bit over time. I've really enjoyed speaking with you, learning uh, from you for, for our own benefit, but also for our our, our audience and our community. Really looking forward to your talk at Sasquatch Remote um and uh, yeah it's 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 been a real pleasure so thank you very much well thank you alex
1: for having me here i'm really looking forward to see how this all pans out and you know for for you guys i think it's also very exciting times uh, you know uh, maybe also frightening like you need to <laughs> change everything like in the middle of like months but you know yeah it's kind of acceleration a the stuff so we'll see where this goes
0: definitely definitely exciting times thank you very much thank you Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of the SAS Revolution Show. I hope you enjoyed it. If you learned something from it, check out sas.com forward slash remote for Remote, our online conference, which is coming up on June the 10th and 11th. Use code Revolution to get 20% off your already cheap tickets and join SAS founders from across the world for this two-day event. Uh, you know, I am biased, but it looks like the best conference happening in June online and yeah, hopefully we'll see you there.